Good morning and Boker Tov. Welcome back to Parsha Perspectives for today. I want to thank, as always, our generous Parsha series sponsors, Becky and Avi Katz and family, in memory of David Grossman, Le'ilu Nishmas, David Ben Menachem Manish. We say that every single week, not only when his daughter-in-law and grandson are here, but welcome. It's great to have you from Eretz Yisrael. Thank you for being here. This morning's shir is also sponsored by Yanina and Gordon Haas, in memory of Yanina's father, Hyman Leichtman, whose yurt site is tomorrow, Zayin Nisan, in the Shama Shedav and Aliyah. Thank you so much for your generosity. We have the privilege of the Shabbos, Shabbos Hagadol, the great Shabbos, of learning and reading Parshas Tzav, page 568, in the Art Scroll Stone, Chumash. Command Aaron and his son, saying, Zos Torah Sa'ola, this is the law of the Korban Ola. Hi Ola la Amazbech Kolalayla, Ad Haboker, Veish Amazbech Tukad Bo. This is the law of the elevation offering, the Korban Ola, which is entirely consumed on the altar. It stays in the flame all night until the morning, until it's entirely burnt, until it is entirely consumed. We're not going to spend time we have previously, you could find it in previous Shiram, the word Sav. We don't find that word so often. Rashi tells us, When we see that word sav employed, it is to remind us, it is an illusion, a hint. It evokes a sense of zeros, alacrity, zeal, enthusiasm. Don't be lazy or lethargic. Don't sit back and procrastinate. But trying to inspire the Kohanim to embrace this mitzvah, to go run and to do it. Miyad immediately. And ladoros in perpetuity. Give it to generations to come. Why would I think the Kohanim would hesitate? We're talking about the Kohanim. We have a tradition, Chazal, the Gemara regularly refers to Kohanim as Zruzim. They're people who act with alacrity. So why do they need to be instructed? Sav, give an extra special command. Light a fire under the Kohanim. Why would they hesitate? Why would they be reluctant? So Rashi tells us, because Chesron kiss, it costs them. Anytime you have to spend your own money, Anytime you have to look in your wallet or bank account or see what it's going to cost you, how much is the matzah? How much is the kosher pesach uh, whatever? So you need a shtikot tzav. You need a little bit of a, of a little push. So why is that? What was the chesron kiss over here? Korbanola was a korban sibur. Kohanim didn't pay for it. So how did it cost them? Why did they have to look in their wallet? Where did that cost come from? You can listen to previous years. We discussed that at length. I want to jump right over to the kliyakar. The Kliyakar later in Perak Zayim, Pasuket Aleph, points back and says, no less than five times, five times in our parsha we have this expression in introducing a phrase, Zos Toras, this is the Torah, this is the law. Why does it appear five times? You don't have to be the Kliyakar to play word association here. Five times it says, Zos Toras, this is the Torah, alluding to, thank you, Chamishay Chomshay Torah. Because five books of the Torah, five times Zos Torah, this is the law. So the Karban Ola is, corresponds with the book of Bereshis. I'm not going to do the work for you. I'm going to deposit the Kliyakar's idea and give you homework. What is the connection between a Karban Ola, this elevation offering that's entirely consumed on the altar, and the book of Bereshis? Sefer Shmos is like the Korban Mincha, the flower offering. Hosek B'Sefer Vayikra is like a chatas. Our book, Sefer Vayikra, is like a sin offering. Sefer B'Midbar, Ki'ilu Hikriv Asham. Hosek B'Sefer Dvarim, Ki'ilu Hikriv Shlamim. So, why? What do each have to do with the other? 
What's the correlation? What is the deeper connection? Why would we say Zos Toros, the five Chumashim, how the Chumashim correspond with the Karbanos? That is homework for you to, uh, to do on your own, but a fascinating, fascinating connection. The uh, beautiful new Sefer, the Imros Tahoros, the Rach Mishlitzbro Rebbe, I'm going to get his name correct. I'm going to pronounce it eventually correctly. It's a tongue twister. But he quotes, he brings down from the... Uh, what happens? Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. We don't have Mizbeach. We don't have Karbanos. But we seek the same closeness. The root of the word Karban is Karov. We want to draw close to Hashem. We don't have the same means. We don't have the same mechanism. We don't have a Beis HaMikdash. So how do we draw close? How do we achieve atonement or Kapara? What do we do? We can still bring an Ola. How? The Korban Ola was given not only immediately, so the Jewish people who received that command could fulfill it on the spot immediately. It wasn't only Miyad, it was also Ladoros for generations to come. The Pasuk tells us that when we can no longer enact in behavior, when we can no longer bring the Karbanos, when we read them, when we recite them, when we learn them, it is as if we've done them. So learning Torah, Learning Torah, when we learn these Torahs of the Karbanos, these Torahs of these parashios, when we learn Torah Bechlal, when we learn Torah in general, Ola, that's how we elevate ourselves. We transcend this physical world. We transcend that animal impulse and animal instinct. We transcend the here and now, and we make contact with eternity and immortality when we study, when we learn Torah. When we open these books and these words come alive and we access the ultimate truth, the blueprint of creation, the manual for meaningful living, when we engage the words of the divine, when we read Hashem's diary, we transcend the physical, the here and now. It's a carbon ola. We elevate above the here and now. Rashi quotes this Chazal, this teaching. When do the Kohanim need a little extra alacrity, a little extra fire, a little extra push? When do they need it? in a place of chesron and kiss, when there is an expense. Hainu, who's the one who said that teaching? Rabbi Shimon. Who's Rabbi Shimon? The Gemara Baruch Hashanah hey, tells us, a famous machlokas, a famous debate. Rabbi Shimon l'shitase d'svir le'shetzrichen l'umud l'agos b'torah b'liharef. We have a machlokas over there, Torah only or Torah end? Should we sit and learn, live in poverty, be indigent, be supported by others, rely on others, but learning Torah is the best of Zach. Learning Torah is the only Zach. Learning Torah is the very definition of life. It is everything. It is the only thing. So there's no Torah end. There's no Torah im. No Torah and derech No Torah and mada. No Torah and parnasa. No Torah and just Torah. Just Torah. Or, or, should we do Torah and parnasa? Torah and an education. Torah and malacha. So who's the one who says only Torah? No Torah end. No Torah im, only Torah. It's Reb Shimon. It's the great Tana Reb Shimon who said, you know, once you start getting occupied and preoccupied with earning a living, 
if you're plowing in the plowing season and you're planting in the planting season and you're harvesting in the harvesting season and then it becomes the plowing season, Torah Matahela, what's going to be? You always have the next deal, the next client, the next customer, the next business, the next Parnasa responsibility. Torah Matahela. So it doesn't matter that you're going to be poverty. You're going to be, you're going to be living with little. Still, Torah is what there is. Now we don't pass like Rabbi Shimon. The Gemara quotes a alternative opinion, and we paskin like not Rabbi Shimon. We paskin, what? We paskin that many tried and they failed, and that we have to combine Torah learning with Torah living and applying it in the world and providing for ourselves, and that's what Hashem wants us to do. But Reb Shimon is the same Reb Shimon who says over here, the Torah, Mate'ala, Korban Ola, today when we have no Beis HaMikdash, the equivalent to the Korban Ola is by sitting and learning full-time. Sitting and learning full-time, you know what that's going to cost you? Chesron Kis. Now, if you have a father, a father-in-law, a grandfather, a grandfather-in-law who's supporting you while you're learning full-time, it's their chesron kiss, not yours. But the truth is, long-time learners, full-time learners, so chesron kiss. You're giving up the possibility of parnasal education or the income that you could be, and that's the same Rib Shimon. He says, the same Rib Shimon is the one who's telling us that because there's a chesron kiss, it needs a little tzav, it needs lashon, lashon zrizus, because you're going to be giving something up. You're going to be giving something up. Okay. Weiter. Perak Vav Pasak Hei. Vaisha Mizbeach Tukad Bolusch Be, Uvira La Koinitziba Boker Baboker, Vierach Ela Ola, Victor La Chaveashlam. We speak about the Mizbeach, the altar. And the altar in the Mishkan, in the Besan Mikdash, had an unusual feature. Even though the sacrifices were not being offered and burnt and uh, elevated around the clock, nevertheless, the fire. The eternal light. In shuls, we replicate this. We have a ner tamid that's burning regularly. The fire can't go out. The Quran shall kindle the wood upon it every morning. And prepare the and burn the fats of the shlam. We cannot allow it to go out. It must remain lit. It must remain lit all the time. It must remain lit all the time. Revolba points out something very interesting on this Pasuk. We know that the human being is compared to a fire. Kiner Hashem Nishmas Adam. We know that because when we think of a soul, when we think of a person who is no longer, this Pesach, will be Yizker on the eighth day, people will light a Yizker candle. person observes a Yerzite, they light a candle. Chalila person sits Shiva, they light a seven-day candle. Why? Because the Nisham is captured in a flame. There are so many similarities we've shared so many times. The flame flickers, it always flickers up no matter which direction you hold the candle. You can point the candle down, but the flame always rises up, just like the neshama. No matter which direction you hold the guf, the body is drawn to this world, the material, the physical pleasures of this world, the animal pleasures of this world, the base pleasures of this world, but the soul always flickers up. The soul always yearns. The soul is always climbing, it's flickering. It's always trying to rise, to go higher and higher. Just like the flame of a candle, you can't grab it, you can't hold it but you know it's there, it's undeniable because you feel its warmth and you benefit from its light. Similarly, the soul of a person, once it's been extracted from the body, can't bottle, you can't grab on, it's not tangible, but you could feel the warmth and you can benefit 
from the illumination and the light. Kiner Hashem Nishmas Adam, the soul of a person, is like the flame, like the light of a candle. And just like the fire in the Mizbech can never go out, the fire in our lives can never go out. It must burn. We have to be on fire. We have to remain on fire. We can never, ever let that fire in us be extinguished. Revolva points out on this Pasuk something very interesting. He said, in all of the fields of study, science, mathematics, history, think of all of the fields of study. The question is, what is it? What is it? Let's define our terms. Let's offer a hypothesis and test it. Let's prove a theory. What is it? But the Torah doesn't answer the question, what is it? The Torah addresses the question, what does it have to do with me? The Torah is not only concerned theoretically and conceptually, academically and in the abstract, what is it? How do we define it? The Torah in the here and now, in this world and in this life, the Torah says, what's my relationship? What does this mean for me? How do I connect to it? And that's so critically important. In many ways, that is the very definition of what Torah is. What Torah is, Torah is not academic. It doesn't remain in your head. They say about Aristotle, who once acted terribly immorally and was confronted, that he was contradicting his own, his own ethics and morality. And he responded, he said, I'm Aristotle from the neck up. My brain, my head, philosophically, from the neck up. Several years ago, there was a professor in an Ivy League college. He was a professor, one of the world's experts on the issue of the philosophy of morality, who engaged in absolute immoral behavior with his students and in the university. Because when something remains academic and conceptual and abstract and philosophical, when we say, I am moral in my, from the neck up, it doesn't filter, it's not absorbed, it doesn't inspire, it doesn't inform who I am, it doesn't transform who I am, then what is it? That's not Torah. That's not Torah. That's why it says, Torah, um, when it comes to Torah, there's Torah in the world. Chachma begayim tamin, Torah al tamin. Chachma means there's wisdom, there's tremendous wisdom, but the wisdom that transforms, that molds, that shapes, that is Torah, is different. So says Revolba, if we were to ask a scientist, what is fire? We'd get a detailed answer of fire's properties. It's gas. That's about all I know about fire. I've just exhausted my knowledge. I don't know, what's the temperature of fire and the fuel of fire, the gas of fire? What else? We've got some smart people actually in this room. That's all that we know. But the Torah on the other hand says, regarding the relationship we have with fire. Fire is one of the Dalit Avos Nazikin. We have four meta categories of damages and fire is one of them. A person has to watch over their coals, watch over their fire. We're responsible for the damage of fire. The fire travels, it damages elsewhere, but if I ignited or lit, the fire started under my watch, then I'm responsible, I have to compensate for that damage. There are mitzvahs that are done with fire, such as our parsha. You have to have a fire burning in the Mizbech all the time. You have to light the candles for Shabbos. You have to light the Havdalah candle on Motzei Shabbos. Next week, or La'ar Basar, Tuesday night we're going to light a candle to search for the Chametz. The other bookend, Pesach begins and ends with fire. It begins with fire, we use a candle to search, and it ends with fire. We use a candle again to search for the memory and the souls of our loved ones through Yizkor, who are no longer here. That was a little mini Yizkor drusha for you. So fire has many mitzvahs. Fire appears in many places in our ritual in our Torah. And what Revolb is pointing out is that the Torah doesn't say, what is fire? You won't find a section, a narrative in Torah that says, let's examine the properties of fire. Let's define fire. What we say is, what is the relationship with fire? Where does fire come into our lives? What is the symbolism of fire? How can fire inspire us to be on fire? 
And this also holds true with Hashem. The Torah doesn't tell us, okay, we're going to define Hashem. Let's prove, let's bring evidence for the existence of Hashem. The Torah says, what's your relationship with Hashem? Do you feel His presence? Do you talk to Him? Do you love Him? Do you invest in Him? Do you surrender to Him? That Hashem wrapped Himself kiviyachol, Mis'atev betalas, Chazal said, the Gemara Rosh Yedzayin, and He gave us the Yud Midos. So the Shlach quotes the Gonim, explained the reciting 13 Midos. We don't simply say them, we emulate them, we imitate them. Torah, the Maral, Ravoba quotes, comes from the word Hora'a. Hora'a means an instruction. We don't have a knowledge which is abstract and academic and conceptual. Then we close the book and we leave it on the shelf and now we go live the lives that we want. Torah is what informs our life. I've said this now several times, this phrase, and I still reserve the right to expand upon it somewhere sometime, but I heard this great expression that we don't read and learn and study for information. We read and learn and study for transformation. That's the difference. If you're learning Torah for information, it's chachma, not Torah. It's just knowledge, it's just information, it's just facts, it's just data. Torah has to, by definition, be studied not for information, but for transformation. In many ways, that's what we're going to do next week. And maybe I'm foolishly giving away what could be a Pesach trusha, so I'll stop there. But the Seder night is not about transferring information. The Seder night is about experiencing and creating a setting for transformation. And if the next morning you woke up with a lot of information, it was an unsuccessful Seder. I don't care how thick your Haggadah is, how many gematrias and vortlach and highfalutin lumdus and crazy questions, or what time your Seder finished early in the wee hours of the morning. If all it did was promote information, it was a failure. The entire Seder is a platform for transformation. So Revolba just happens on this Pasuk to offer this insight, that we're not interested in defining fire. That's not what the Torah is. Torah is hora'a. It's an instruction for, not information, but transformation. And that has to inform our classroom, and that has to inform the greatest classroom our children have, which is our homes. We're so busy today with trying to transfer information. Memorize facts, names, dates, people in Tanakh, Halacha, Lamates, Malachas, Yedias, Klalios, spit it back, spit it back, spit it back, spit it back. So we have zombies who can spit back incredible amounts of information. But do they feel it? Do they have a relationship with Hashem? They can tell you all these things about Hashem. Have they ever spoken to Him? Have they ever heard Him speaking to them? Esham is Beach, where's the fire? We have to be on fire. We have to be on fire. Rav Salavechik also has a comment here. Zakhtar of Salavechik, Esham is Beach. He points out just uh, factually the Mishnah Navos, the fifth parak of Avos, says that one of the miracles associated with the Visa Mikdash was that rain never extinguished this fire. Because you'll say, Esham is Beach, we've had so little water, rain. I came out last night, I was at an event and it was raining, and I just forgot what that was like. I was like, what is this? What's happening? Oh yeah, sometimes water falls from the sky. We've, I don't know if you know, because we have indoor plumbing and we think we're, we never have a problem, but in Florida, we have a major drought. We've barely had any rain this winter and we have a major problem, but it rains. So you'll ask, how can I take responsibility for making sure the fire on the altar never goes out? What happens if it rains? What happens if it rains? So the Mishnah tells us among the miracles, the 10 miracles that happen daily in the Beis HaMikdash, now you understand why the destruction of a Beis HaMikdash is so destructive to us. Because the Yid, a Jew who woke up with doubt or uncertainty, made their way to the Beis HaMikdash and they saw miracles before their eyes. 
and they said, you know, whatever's going on in my life, whatever distance I'm feeling, whatever doubt I'm having, there's something bigger than me. There's something that makes more sense. The destruction of the Beis HaMikdash meant not only no place to bring Karbanos to achieve Kapara, it meant no place to witness and experience and feel those miracles empirically. So one of the miracles was the rain never extinguished the fire. Clearly, says the Rav, there was no roof over the altar of the Azara, in the Azara, for otherwise this would not have been a miracle at all. The Heichal was under a roof, Kodesh HaKadoshim was under a roof, but not the Mizbeach. It could not be under a roof because the smoke needed to rise upward. Since the Mizbeach was not under a roof, was exposed to the elements, it was a miracle that the rain never extinguished the flame that burned on it. So the Rav points out, the very fact that it was considered a miracle that the rain never put it out means it was exposed to the elements and the fire continued to burn nonetheless. Perik Vav, Pasik Vav, next Pasik. Eish tamid lo What seems to be a very repetitive and redundant Pasuk. A fire, a permanent fire should remain on the altar. It should never, ever be extinguished. We have a tradition. I think I spoke about it last year. Matthew Miller, the wonderful, great friend, young man who helps me clip our Debrei Torah. I think he put out a clip of this yesterday or today, that last year we mentioned the Shla already. We're going to repeat it and expand upon it. Otsar Plosa Torah. Remember last week I complained? The Helega Machaber, the incredible author of this Sefer, Rav Zuchraman, sent me a copy. He didn't only send me a copy, he wrote the most beautiful inscription to the uh, copy. So I want to publicly express my Hakar Satov. I love this Sefer. Uh, many have mentioned that they purchased it. Uh, you, you see Vayikra? You see how... Uh, it's not just that he sent me the Sefer, he paid the postage. <laughs> I can't imagine what the postage was on this Sefer. Oh, it's a it's an amazing, amazing Sefer. I get no royalties, I did get the Vayikra volume for free. Kasav HaShla Kadosh. the Shla writes the following, Matsasi Kasav Yadshel, Elokei Moreno, Rav Moshe Kordavera, Rav Moshe Kordavera, the great Mukobol, the Ramak, writes, this is his language, Limadnu Zakein Echad Levatel Machshava Yomar Pasik Zehar Pa'amim. Person is feeling despondent, down, despair, distance from Hashem. Person is feeling tempted to indulge the Yetzirah. You're tempted to watch or listen to or go or say or do something you shouldn't. You know what you have to say? Stop and repeat this mantra, this Pasuk, over and over again. Eish tamid tukar al mezbeach lo sechbeh. Eish tamid tukar al mezbeach lo sechbeh. Eish tamid tukar al mezbeach lo sechbeh. Got to keep the fire lit. I'm not letting it go out. I'm not going off my diet. I'm not missing this day of exercise. I'm not breaking my streak of not getting angry. I'm not repeating this Lashon Hara or gossip. I'm not missing a minion. I'm not taking the lazy way out with Kriya Shema Lamita. No way. No way. Why? Because this fire ain't going out. There's no way I'm letting me be extinguished. Shla says, who is the one, who is the old man who told the Ramak, Ramosha Kodavera, who is the old man who told him this tradition, this mantra, this meditation. It was none other than Eliyahu Anavi. But Eliyahu Anavi is very modest, very humble. He didn't want to reveal. Person who has foolish ideas, person who has foolish thoughts, person who has fantasies, thoughts, distractions, temptations. Repeat this pasuk over and over again. Your 
you'll roar like a lion, you'll come roaring back. I love the image because the Shlach Kadosh, Bishaya Levi Harowitz, and even earlier than him, we're going back to the Ramak and earlier, this notion, this new age idea that you sit and you meditate and you have mantras, there are a million apps that you could download right now that give you these meditations and these mantras and you can repeat them and you can bring calm and, and quiet and comfort. We don't need that. If there are tools that help you, God bless, it's wonderful. I don't know if anyone has yet, but someone should create the Jewish meditation app where you sit and repeat, you breathe. These are our traditions. This is our Torah. What happens is when we see it happening in the secular world, and the more that it's unfamiliar to us, we think it's Eastern religions, or we think it's some new age idea, so we recoil and we say, ah, it's not us. That is us. Get to Mincha five minutes early and sit and say, close your eyes and do some deep breathing and see before you this Pasuk and repeat and picture the fire inside your neshama that's raging, that's burning. Sometimes it's dialed down and you barely have a spark and other times it's roaring like a huge fire. But sit and have that image of the fire that is our neshama and repeat the mantra and don't dismiss it because we weren't raised with it. Could you imagine if before you opened your Chumash or your Navi or your Gemara, imagine if in school, in Yeshiva, before you opened the Siddur and began davening, they would train us to actually take some deep breaths, restore our neshama with neshima, call a neshama, talaka, call a neshima. Let's do it. We're going to spend 30 seconds and take a few breaths. We're going to picture this image and we're going to repeat this phrase. And now that we're grounded and centered and now that we've eliminated those distractions, now let's daven. Now let's learn. Now, imagine, you're all looking at me like I just landed from another planet. But I'm on the planet Shla. I'm on the planet Ramak, Ramosha Kardavero. And then he quotes, this we quoted last year, as only he does, digs up from everywhere on the planet. He writes in his Tetel Koton, If a person has an immoral thought, they're about to breach a boundary of promiscuity or morality, stop! And repeat over and over again, Hashem, protect me from anything bad. Protect me from myself. Protect me from this urge. Protect me from distractions. You know what this is telling me? We spoke about it last Shabbat Shuvah, I think. Two Shabbat Shuvahs ago? I don't remember. But we spoke about the notion that there is a moment between the urge and the action. We make the mistake of thinking that when the urge rises, it immediately leads to the action. I have an urge to snack. I'm on next thing you know, I'm the bottom of the bag of Cape Cod potato chips. And there was never a break. There was never a moment. There was never a pause between. And one of the methods that is highly suggested is to learn and to realize and to embrace the idea to sit on the urge. Now, if the urge remains a minute, five minutes later, and you say, you know what? Taka, it's a legitimate appetite. I'm hungry. I'm craving something, it's legitimate. It's healthy, it's warranted, and it's in the right amount of time, it's the right amount of volume at the right time, then eat. But if you sit on the urge for a moment, and then you realize, you know, it's not legitimate, it's not a craving that's legitimate, this is the wrong time, and it's the wrong thing I crave, and I don't need it, and I don't need it on my way to bed. There is a pause, there is a moment between the urge and the action, and that's what the Shla, and that's what the Rebbe Rebbe Melech are telling us, they're just telling it to us differently. How do you find that pause? Because imagine every time you had this craving, 12 o'clock at night, I'm, I'm speaking about 
asking for a friend. You had this craving 12 o'clock at night for the Cape Cod potato chips. You had the craving late at night for the Trader Joe's corn chips. But you said, you know, before I eat them, I'm going to save an Ishmaratim called Dovara five times. And then you realized, you know, there was a moment between the craving and the being in the bottom of the bag of the chips. Because you said, five times. The Heilige Rebelli Melch told you to. And now at the end of saying it five times, you realized, Kol Davara is talking about the chips. I don't need it. I don't need it right now. I don't need it at this time. So that pause, what, what, again, it all comes, look in our Torah, it's all in there. We have wonderful wisdoms today that give us new language, modern vocabulary to communicate these ideas that are accessible to us, but always draw it back. It goes to our Torah. Our Torah had it long before. It's all in the Torah. And that's the Shlach Kadosh, Rav Moshe Kodavera, and the Rebbe Rebbe Melach. They're saying between the urge and the action, say a Pasuk, find a Pasuk, create a mantra, adopt a meditation, and if you adopt a meditation or a mantra, you thought you were coming for the Parsha here. You didn't realize it was a motivational seminar. Neither did I until I started speaking. In between the urge and the action, adopt a mantra or a meditation. You'll create that pause. It'll change your life. The Chida writes in a Sefer Dvash Lefi. He writes, Shamati mimekubal zakein, shekibal detov l'asab mesachas makos shugamatra hirurim lavatal erurim roim. You have a hirur, you have an urge, open mesachas makos. Learn of shtikal makos. Makos is gematra hirhurim. So he quotes all these different individuals. The Shla, Moshe Kodavera, the Rebbe Rebeli Melach, the Chida, to say something, adopt something between the urge and the action, and you'll find much greater self-control in your life. A beautiful, amazing idea. Perek Vav, Pasuk Test. Back to the Parshish here. Perek Vav, Pasuk Test. V'anoseras mena yuchlu aron evonov, matzos te'achel b'makom kadosh, Aaron and his sons will eat what is left of it, eaten unleavened in a holy place in the courtyard in the tent of the meeting, shall they eat it. We're talking about which korban right now, Zos Toras? Hamincha. The mincha was brought by Aaron. It was a very unusual way that they withdrew the flour and they threw it in the fire. And what was left of it, they were allowed to eat. Matzos te'achel. Eat matzos b'makom kodosh in a holy place. Eat them as matzah in a holy place. The Sefer, back to the Imros Tahoros, he quotes from the Heilige Tefer Shleima. He quotes from the Heilige Tefer Shleima, Radamsk. Isa levar remez ha-pasuk. Matzos te'achel b'makom kadosh. We're talking not about the Antif of Pesach. We're talking about a korban mincha, which was bought with many loaves, most of which were matzah. And the matzah has to be eaten in a holy place. That's the Pasuk. Matzos te'achel b'makom kadosh. The Chassidah Shetzvarim give a homiletical interpretation. Says the Heilige Tefer Shlomo, Ki lefeshen higashem l'achol kezayis matzah b'la Pesach, tzrichen l'asos hachana lehis kadesh b'kedush ha'ru'uya. Kadesh b'shas ha'chilas matzah tikanes b'makom kadosh. Before you can eat matzah, you have to enter a holy place. Make sure that your home, that your life, that you are in a holy place before the matzah enters. Before you go into Pesach, and before you eat the matzah, the mitzvah of Pesach, be a makom kadosh. What does the Pasuk say? Where must it be eaten? How can we eat our matzah? Again, this is talking about the Korban Mincha, not Pesach. How can we eat our matzah? Because if we transform our home to a makom kadosh, our home becomes the Olmoid. Our home on Pesach becomes Yerushalayim. If you look at 
the first Korban Pesach in Mitzrayim, all the laws of the Korban Pesach and eating a Bechabura in the home, the same laws that the Korbanos had about the boundaries and you can't go out and eat it outside were true of the home. The home took on the, took on the rules, the laws, the criteria of the temple of the Beis HaMikdash. Pesach, our home, is each one of us. Our home becomes that place of holiness. That comes that place of holiness. Pasuk says that uh, the Targum says that while we were yet in Mitzrayim, Hashem took us on the wings of eagles to Yerushalayim. And what does that mean? Literally, He transported us to Yerushalayim. The airport wasn't on strike. We were able to go. It says another Targum. What it means is if a person, if a Yid comes to the Seder table with the right preparation and the right mentality, no matter where you are geographically in the world, that Seder table, you are transported to Yerushalayim. It has the status of Yerushalayim for that meal and in that place. Now, the Aliyah snobs don't have to all email me. I know it doesn't compare. It isn't Yerushalayim. That's where we belong. That's where we have to go. It's not if, it's when we all make Aliyah. And I mean that seriously. But metaphysically, the mentality is that Pesach night, Seder night, royal and regal Seder night, Hashem has lifted us on the wings of eagles and all of us, wherever we are, around that Seder table, that is the status of Yerushalayim Olmoid, of the Chatzar Olmoid. Tzver Shlomo then offers a second interpretation. Achilles HaMatzah Bala Pesach Mekadesh HaSadon Lios Gufo Makom Kadosh Vizeo Matzos Tachel B'Makom Kadosh Achilles HaMatzah Poelos Lahashros Kedusha Ala Adam Shia Makom Kadosh When you eat the matzah, it turns you into a holy person, into a holy place. And the third interpretation is, you see that the prerequisite to eating the matzah, the matzah has to be B'Makom Kadosh. You can't put the matzah in your mouth if your mouth is unholy, if your mouth gossips and slanders, if your mouth uses nivel peh, if your mouth uses inappropriate language. If your mouth is unholy, then how could you put the matzah in an unholy plus? In a whole matzos yachel b'makom kadosh. The matzah you should eat in a holy place means the holy place, your mouth should be a holy place where the matzah is placed. Perek vav pasuk tesvav. Here we have Hashem spoken and said the offering of Aaron and his sons. They had to offer on the day they were inaugurated. What happened on the day they were inaugurated? This is also in our parsha, The smearing of the oil. The The consecrated and sanctified with oil. I just saw an article, Jerusalem Post. Charles, he's the king now or he's becoming the king? He is the king, but he didn't have yet his inauguration, his installation. Coronation, thank you. So they, apparently they use oil, the British monarchy, to coronate the king. And where do you think that oil is coming from? Jerusalem. They bring oil from Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives. Where do you think they got that from? To coronate with oil from the holy place, Yerushalayim. Lahavil Evdel Elef Alfei Avdalos. That's where they get it from. Lahavdil, our Kohanim and our Kalim of the Mikdash, were coronated similarly with a with a oil, with an oil. So Aaron and his sons are coronated, they're serving, they are inaugurating, and they have to bring a special offering. A tenth eifa of fine flour as a continual meal offering, half in the morning, half in the evening. It's made on a pan with oil, it's fried, delicious, like a malach. 
Tefinei Minchas Pitem Takriv Reach Nichalach Lashem, repeatedly baked meal offering broken into pieces, offering a satisfying aroma for Hashem. Vakoan Mashiach, and the coin from his son who is anointed, in his place he performs it. Chok Olam Lashem Kalil Tiktar. Vachom Minchas Kohen Kalil Tiyah Lo Seachel. Every meal offering of a coin is to be entirely caused to go up in smoke. It shall not be eaten. Says Rav Moshe Feinstein in his Drash Moshe. Says Rav Moshe is that sound. This is a chok olam. The coin gadol has to bring a daily, personal, unique, individual sacrifice called the minchas chavitin. We have a korban yachad, the individual sacrifice. Person made a mistake, you bring a korban chatas, sometimes a korban asham. Person has to, under certain circumstances, bring a shlomim, bring an ola. We have korban atibur that the community offers a communal sacrifice, like the carbon tamid. This is the carbon of a Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol brings his own carbon daily, called the Minchas Chavitin. Why? Why every day? Like it's enough. You inaugurated, you coronated, you celebrated. He was installed as the Kohen Gadol. So bring a special carbon to mark that occasion and to mark your position of distinction. Why does he bring a carbon every day? Zakhtar Moshe and Drash Moshe. He brings a carbon every day because his unique position of distinction is renewed each and every day. It's never owned. It's only borrowed. Whoever you think you are, whatever you think you've accomplished, whatever role you think you have, whatever recognition you think you receive, it could disappear in a moment. It is on loan from Hashem. It is not permanent. Every day you wake up and you are privileged to be a leader in the Jewish people, it is a gift from above. And bring a korban and say, thank you. Thank you. Sometimes it's birchas agomel, but you say thank you. Say thank you every day. What a gift it is to be a leader, to be the Kohen Gadol. So you don't make him the Kohen Gadol once. And now that the Kohen Gadol has been coronated on his throne, he is permanently in that position forever. So he brought a carbon once and said, thank you, no, shine, he's done. The Kohen Gadol brought a daily carbon to wake up and remember every day. I'm not better. I'm not elevated. I'm not superior. It would maintain his humility to bring that daily carbon and remember every day that I have the privilege to serve in this position is a gift from above and a responsibility from above. Ko yom be removed. He could be impeached and overturned by the people or the Ribbona Shalom, a psul, a mum. Something could arise within him that would make him ineligible. So every day you wake up and you say, I'm still eligible. I could still do this job. Wow, what a gift. You're a public speaker, you're a rav. Every day you wake up and you say, my voice works. Say, what would happen? Chalila, God forbid. What would happen if a person was struck with an illness that they lost their voice? How could they continue to fulfill that profession or career that they love? And that's true in every area of life. The gift we're given daily, never take it for granted. Never, ever, ever feel entitled. Never feel it's assumed. It is always on loan from Hashem. And that is the deeper meaning, says Rav Moshe, of the Minchas Chavitin. The daily sacrifice of the Kohen Gadol was, this isn't permanent. Any day you can wake up with a mum and it's all over. Any day they can impeach you and it's all over. Every day you wake up with the privilege to be the Kohen Gadol in the Mishkan, bring a korban and say thank you, thank you. 
That's true not only for the Kohen Gadol, that's true for anyone in their positions of distinctions in life. Perak Zion, Pasuk Yud Beis. Zion Yud Beis. Flying through the Parsha. Zos Torah Zevach HaShlamim. Now we're up to the Shlamim. Which Sefer did that correspond with? That was Bamidbar, right? I think. Shlamim. Asher Yakriv Lashem. Im Al Toda Yakriveno Vikriv Al Zevach HaToda. We're up to the Shlamim, which is the Karban. One of the forms of a Karban Shlamim is a Karban. Toda. Im Al Toda Yakrivenu. Vikriv Al Zevach HaToda. Chalos Matzos Blues Bashemen. Urkike Matzos Meshuchim Bashemen. We're up to the carbon toda, the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Thank you, Hashem. Long before it was a song, it was a carbon. Yam carbon toda. Thank you, Hashem. So, carbon toda. When did you bring this carbon toda? So the Medrash tells us the Medrash Rabbah. Lost level kola carbonos betelim, the carbon toda eno bottle. In the future, all karbanos will be nullified, but the karban Torah will still be offered. All prayers will be, will be nullified, but the thanksgiving prayer will still be recited. The Medrash brings that this is permanent. Gratitude, gratitude is forever. Will never be done. We're never finished, it's never complete. Will never be nullified. The Machaber in Shulchan Aruch, Or Chaim Simon and Alf, Mizmor Lesoda, writes, We say we don't have the carbon toda today. Who brought the carbon toda? There were four individuals who brought a carbon toda. They were. Who were the four individuals who brought the carbon toda? We have an acronym for it. Chol Hachaim Yoducha Sela. Chol Hachaim. Hachaim Yoducha Sela. So what's the acronym? Somebody who successfully crossed over the sea, someone who was released from prison, someone who healed from an illness, and someone who was released from prison. And the acronym is Chaim, called Chaim Yodu Chasela, has to thank Hashem, they would bring this Korban Toda. It's Korban Toda. So the Machaber says, we don't have the Korban Toda today, but we invoke it, we reference it every day, not on Erev Pesach, because it wasn't offered on Erev Pesach, it had chametz. What is it? Mizmor Lasoda, we recite the little parak, the little capital, capital kuf. So the Machaber says something very interesting. He says, Mizmor Lasoda should not be said, it should be sung. Or Chaim Simon Nun Aleph, Sif Tes. Mizmor Lasoda, Yesh La Omra Benegina, Shekola Shiraz Asidus Libatel, Chutzmi Mizmor Lasoda. All of the prayers. All of the prayers and all of the songs will be canceled, but this is Mizmor. It's a song. It should be sung. It will never be canceled. I haven't seen it. Imagine tomorrow morning we give a clap in Shacharis. The Chazan sings like it's Kedusha, Mizmor Lasoda. Good luck. He'll have to bench Gomel and bring a carbon Toda if he survives. <laughs> if he tries singing Mizmor Lasoda in Shul on a regular Shacharis. So maybe the Chazan is not going to lead us in a Karlbach singing of Mizmor Lasoda, but each of us in an undertone, a little shtickle niggin, a little song, wake up from Mizmor Lasoda. Wow. Gratitude. Grateful to be alive. Levush adds, Hatam Adu Leivata Mizmor Lasoda, writes the Levush quote, Ki chasada v'tovasav lo yifsiku la'olam, k'mo shanem ha'kili olam chazda. HaKadosh Baruch, who's 
goodness and kindness, it is forever, it lasts forever, it goes on forever. So we have these four. The Rabbeinu Bechaya has a big chiddush. You know who else has to bring a korban toda? A fifth category. If you successfully paid for the wedding. No, just joking. That's also a korban toda. That's what Rabbeinu Bechaya writes in our parsha. Perek Vav Pasuk Beis. Korban toda ba'al hanes. So, among those who bring a carbon toda are a chasan and kala. Wow. Look at the divorce rate. Look at the rate of broken engagements. Look at how many dysfunctional, unhappy marriages. It's a miracle. Kasha Kakriyas Yamsuf. We'll talk about, we'll celebrate over Pesach. The miracle of a healthy marriage. It's a miracle. So the Rebbeinu B'chai in our parasha, Otsu Plaus HaTorah dug this up. Bring a korban toda when you get married. When you get married. V'nir levar dvar b'tzoch b'derech drush ha'pima d'yisa b'zar kadosh. And he says, maybe you can bring this derech drush. Why? Shemisha ina nasoi ina yachal ha'akriv korban. V'ni b'meshech imi ha'na urimat shenose adam isha b'vada haya pa'am cholo v'nitzrape. Single person can't bring a sacrifice. So he was ineligible to offer karbanos till he's married. Once he got married, he has to retroactively bring a karban toda. Undoubtedly, throughout all of his single years, he was once sick. He once went on vacation somewhere across the desert. Now that he's married and eligible to bring a korban, he brings a korban toda on his entire life until that point. On his entire life until that point. The Imre Emes brings a different reason. Imre Emes says, maybe the Rebbein Bachaya says, the Chassan and Kala bring a korban toda, because what happens on their wedding day? Chassan mochlin lo kolavonos of the Mishnah Bikurim tells us that a Chassan and Kala, they fast on their wedding day, they wear white, she wears a white gown, he wears a white kittel. Why? Because it's their Yom Kippur. It's a reboot, a restart. They are forgiven. <coughs> they were like a sick person who was healed. They were a person with sins who it was erased. And they're like a person who was imprisoned who was released. They're out of the world of Shiduchim. They're released from prison. No more Sharchanim. No more resumes. No more first dates. I would say no more first phone calls, but there are no such thing as first phone calls anymore. No more first dates. So it's like you're released from prison. You got to bring a carbon toda. In other words, Zakta Imre Emes, Chassan and Kala is not a fifth category. Chassan and Kala has elements of all four categories. It's like you're sick and you're healed, like you're in prison and like you were released, like you successfully crossed this midbar of being single and looking for your significant other. You all four categories, and that's why a fifth category. Another category, Sefer Chassidim writes, Halavai, Shanizke, we should all merit. He brings another, Sefer Hasidim, quote, I quoted this in an article when I started my website, RabbiEfrenGoldberg.org, I'll shamelessly plug, where we have all the articles we ever wrote, all the shirim we ever gave. You can find it all there. Drush a digest of Pesach shirim. You can find it all there. So I, I wrote an article, why? Why do that? First of all, to bevorn all the cynics and suspicious people who, oh, the rabbi is clearly leaving BRS because he's making his own website with his own name, or he's trying to monetize it for himself. So I wrote an article to explain 
how ridiculous that was, and that none of those are the reasons. Uh, but why was I doing it? <coughs> this Sefer Hasidim. It's not a Sefer. Halavai one day. I have a lot of books written. Just right now, they're still all in my head. So Sefer Hasidim writes, Kaddish Baruch Hu gave you insight. Kaddish Baruch Hu even just gave you the ability to organize other people's thoughts, which is all I do for a career. And you don't write it down, and you could have. Ooh, you're gozal mishagil, you're stealing from Hashem. He gave you the ability to collect and to integrate and to share. He gave you novel ideas. <coughs> he gave you a vocabulary or the gift of communicating it in a meaningful way, and you don't, you're stealing from him and you're stealing from others. He When you write down your chiddush, it's like you offered a korban. And therefore he says, anyone who publishes a sefer, they should bring a korban toda. You'd bring a korban toda for having a novel Torah thought for publishing a sefer. And there were And there are many examples, which we won't take the time, but he brings, of great gedolim who experienced miracles, and the result of the miracle they experienced was they promised and pledged to Hashem they would publish a sefer to say thank you. Shmir Shabbos Kilchasa, Rav Neubert escaped Europe in flames. He had to get on a boat that was leaving on Shabbos. And he made a promise to Hashem, even though in that situation, of course, saving your life supersedes Shabbos. He said, I'm going to study and promote and teach the laws of Shabbos. And he gave us the gift of Shmir Shabbos Kilchasa. And there are, and, and he only had, he was only able to chaza Shabbos, the whole story. He writes in his introduction to Shmir Shabbos. And there are other, he quotes many examples here of great individuals who wrote Svarim in response to surviving miracles. And uh, that's their Korban Toda. Their Korban Toda was to write a to write a Sefer. Today, we don't have the Korban Toda. What do we do instead? We say Mizmor Lasoda, we sing it, the Shtikel Nigan. If you're in my minion tomorrow morning and you're sitting near me, I want to hear you singing it, Mizmor Lasoda. But what do we recite today? Someone who meets these four criteria. What do we recite? If you took a flight over the ocean, if you were released from prison, if you successfully healed from an illness, which could be life-threatening, and was the fourth? The desert. You bench Gomel. Today we bench Gomel. And so on. They would bring the Korban Toda. It was eaten one day and one night. But we've been exiled from our land and we can't. So we, they established, Chazal established the Baruch of Birchas HaGomel. We bench Gomel. And that's the four people who bench Gomel. V'chol ha-chayim. Chayim is Rosh Hetevos. Ches Chavosh. The Yud is Yam. Yud is Yisurin. And the Mem is Midbar. Chayim. Kol ha-chayim. Yoducha should thank. So these four recite Birchas HaGomel. Who was the first one to bench Gomel? Who was the first one ever to bench Gomel? Zegemar and Sanhedrin. Vayomer Yisro Baruch Hashem Asher Hitzil Aschem. Remember we spoke about in Pasha's Yisro? How could he say Yisro was the first one to bless Hashem? 
not Moshe, not Aaron, not Avram, it's like in Yaakov, no one before him, not Adam or Rishon, not Shane the Aver. Remember the answer we gave? It wasn't ours. I already forget who said it. Yisra was the first who thanked Hashem for something that happened to someone else, not himself. True others said thank you for things that happened to them. Yisra was the first that heard the story about someone else and said, wow, what a story. Thank you, Hashem, for saving him. And it was his son-in-law on top of it. Because of a sifsei kohen, there were nifla. Vayomer Yisro baruch Hashem, zu baruch rishon shenitzker b'torah v'hais ha'yadosh Yisro u'beirach birchas ha'gomel. The sifsei kohen writes that on Parshas Yisro, what was the bracha that Yisro recited? Baruch Hashem asher hitzilaschem. What bracha did he recite? Birchas ha'gomel. Yisro ha'yuchayev l'varach ha'gomel u'ba Yisro beirach v'otziyam yidei chovasan. He benched gomel on behalf of Kla Yisro. Yisro was the first one to say, Birchas HaGomel, he benched Gomel on behalf of Kla Yisrael. And then he has an Arichas here, the Otsuplos HaTorah, the Chidah quotes in Machzik Bracha, did Avram Avinu bench Gomel when he was saved from Or Kazdim, Rabbi Akiva, when he left the Pardes, did he bench Gomel? We have another form of saying thank you. Not only Mizmor Soda, we don't have a Korban Toda today, not only benching Gomel, we have another form, and that is to sometimes we have a tradition a truly tested practice to be saved from catastrophes is that if anything ever goes bad or wrong in your life, you should recite Nishmas Kochai. We make the mistake of thinking that Nishmas is something that you only say Shabbos morning, Psukidism, part of davening. But Nishmas is a holy compendium. It's a holy, holy tefillah. Nishmas. Nishmas kochai. It is a long yeshtabach. It's a nishmas. It's a long, poetic, magnificent expression of gratitude. The Ben Ishchai writes, Shevach zed the nishmas kochai hu yakar umu'ula ma'od. V'tzarach la'omra b'ni'ima. You have to say it with sweetness. V'umasugal ha'kol tzara sh'odam omid ba. She'idur ne'da lo'marach ha'atzalasa mi'atzara. Shevach zed shal nishmas kochai. You're going through a whole time. One of the things to do is pledge and promise to Hashem, Hashem, if when you get me out of this, I'm going to say Nishmas slowly and sweetly and sing it to you and thank you for it. Say Nishmas. The Sefer Chesed La'alafim says it should be recited in front of ten. That a person, when they're going through a hard time, you're waiting for that lab result to come back the pathology to come back. You're waiting for the test to come back. You're waiting in the job interview to hear if you got the job. You're waiting, make a promise. If this goes well, Hashem, I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna sing Nishmas to you. Nishmas Kochai. Badakumanusa, apparently it's been tried and tested. Badakumanusa to say Nishmas. Rav Dessler has a beautiful insight. Says Rav Dessler. Gratitude is a feeling. So why can't you just say to Hashem, thank you? Why did it need a carbon? Why did it take an animal and sacrifice it? So Rav Desla says, because if gratitude remains only a thought and a feeling, if it remains only speech, it's incomplete. If a person really feels gratitude, they take action to show it. When a person really is grateful, they want to repay the debt. They want to express the gratitude. They need to do something to capture it, to display it, to demonstrate it. It's not enough to say it. It's not enough to think it or feel it. You have to do something with it. You have to perform, you have to express that gratitude. 
We mentioned that the Karban Toda was unusual for a Shlomim. Shlomim, normally you have two nights in a day. Here this, you have less time. So the Natsiv makes a famous comment. We've quoted before. The Natsiv says something very beautiful. You know why you have less time? The Natsiv says, you have to have 40 loaves in one day and one night. You gotta get a lot of food fully consumed in a very short amount of time. What are you gonna do in order to do that? You're gonna invite other people. So the Natsiv says, why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu make the rules of a Karban Toda such that they would lead you to ultimately eating it with many other people? Because you know what else is true about gratitude? If you feel it only in your heart and you don't express it to anyone, how grateful are you? When you're really grateful someone did something for you, you tell the world, you shout from the rooftops. You won't believe what someone did. I'm so grateful, I want the whole world to know. Suda Soda is the other modern day application demonstration of this. But a person is grateful, Hashem, you got me through this illness. Hashem, I survived that car accident. Hashem, whatever you did for me, Hashem, I just want to tell the world about it. So implicit in the very definition of gratitude is something you don't keep to yourself. I feel it in my heart, I don't have to say anything. No, say something. Say something to many people. The more people you say it to, the more grateful you clearly feel you want to shout it from the rooftops. And that's why the design of the Korban Toad, the Davka, is to have many people. And so in the Sefer of the Sidcha Elyon, he expands on this idea and he says, and he says, What else are you doing by inviting other people to take part of all that food that you need to finish so quickly? You're paying it forward. You're being hospitable. You're being kind and generous. You're sharing. When you're grateful to Hashem, you pay it forward immediately. If after Hashem does something for you, you remain stingy and self-centered and an egomaniac, then are you really grateful? If the gratitude doesn't transform you to want to be more generous and kind and giving and doing, so expanding on the idea of the nativ is the idea that you have to invite others because you are sharing immediately Hashem's kindness and Hashem's graciousness with us. Kaches Aram, Perichas, Pasuk Beis. Page 580. This was, I was alluding to earlier, the consecration of the Quran and the special oil. Gather all the people at Pesach Ol Moed. Bring them all to the opening of the Ol Moed. We're not going to get into it. He has a whole arichas and the Do they all fit? 600,000 men from 20 and up. Two to three million people. They all fit Pesach Ol Moed. So he goes into a long discussion. Where do we find in our tradition examples where people miraculously fit where they shouldn't have? The Pesach is one of them. This is one of them. He has a big discussion. But he quotes another fascinating thing here. Rashi says, Kaches Aaron, Kachenu Bidvarum Umashchayu. The Pasuk, Ches Beis. Kach is Aaron. Take Aaron. What does that mean? Grab him by the collar? Pull him? Yank him? Put him on your shoulders? Lift him on a chair? What is Kach Aaron? Zakhtar Rashi Bidvarum. With words, appoint him, anoint him, elevate him. Says the Otsar Plaza Tari, quotes the Chida, Davar Nifla B'Shem Sefer Netzach Yisrael, Kach Aaron Sofei Tevos Chasan, Kachenu B'Tupam M'Cholos B'Simcha G'dola K'Moshe Osan L'Chasan. Kach Aaron, Kach S. Aaron, the acronym, last letter, Ches of Kach, the Tav of S, the Nun of Aaron, spells Chasan. The same way you sing and dance for a chasen, sing and dance for the appointment of Aaron. 
So the Sefer basis Yisrael Shalim says, what was the Chida getting at? This is the source for having a party and a ceremony when you install the new rabbi. You may wonder, where do you get that from? I was installed in 2005 here. I have a beautiful, the community gave me a beautiful tefillah. It hangs on my wall. I look at it and recite it when I need to. Sometimes for chizuk, a beautiful, beautiful tefillah. And we had a magnificent, Jonathan Marriott was the president at the time. Now he's in England. He uh, oversaw, there was no coronation, but it was a beautiful uh, installation ceremony. Where is that? We made that up. That's a modern day invention. By the way, at the time, the shul called around to all these rabbinic organizations. What should that look like? What's done? How do you make it happen? We didn't have a lot of help. It's not done that often. It's more popular today. So what was that? Just a way of raising money for the shul? Making the Goldbergs feel good? Excuse to eat? Why do you have an installation? Zakta chidat pamar parsha. Kach es aron chasan. Sof tevos chasan. And this is the minag. Just like you sing and dance. You voted in a new rabbi, a new Av Beisden. You're installing, says in the Tshuva's Chassam Sofer, HaRav Av Beisden Be'iro Kekoin Gadol. Ugashem Shes HaKoin Gadol Hayum Mekablem Betupem Bumcholos Kedivre HaChida Kein Mekablem Es Pnei HaRav Av Beisden Besimcha Uvrikudem Shel Mitzvah. This is the source of an installation ceremony an installation ceremony. And he goes on, he quotes more sources along this idea. Rav Bender, maybe we'll end with this. Rav Bender, I love Rav Bender. I saw him recently at a wedding. Such an inspiring person. Such an inspiring person. The Pasuk says, Kach Aaron is banav, Vayomer Moshe el ha'eda zeh ha'davar asher tziva lashos. This is the thing Hashem commanded to be done. Rashi says on these words, zeh ha'davar asher tziva Hashem lashos. Perches, Skip to Pasuk. Hey, Rashi says, What you see me doing before you is what Hashem commanded me to do. Don't think I'm doing it for my own glory and honor or for the glory and honor of my brother. I'm doing it because Hashem said to do it. When Hashem says jump, I say, how high? From Moshe Rabbeinu's perspective, it might have been uncomfortable. He understood how the people would perceive his anointing Aaron, the cynicism and the scoffing it might engender. Oh, you know why you're having this big party pomp and circumstances, big installation? Because it's your brother. But it was not about him. It was about Hashem's will and nothing else. Asher tziva Hashem la'asos, the one and only gauge of what is right, gauge of what is right. A group of Bachram were on their way to Boston for the wedding of a friend. They had arranged to have a minion along the way, but they miscalculated the time and realized if they would stop, they'd be late for the wedding. Unsure of how to proceed, they called their Rosh Hashiva, Rebendra's brother-in-law of Chaim Epstein. The Rosh Hashiva didn't hesitate. You're going to be Mesameach HaChassan? How do you think he'll feel if he looks around before the Chuppah and his friends are not there? But Rosh Hashiva, one of the Bachram, protested, I have a streak since my Bar Mitzvah. I haven't missed a minion in eight years. Yiddishkeit, he answered, is not about streaks. It's about what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants and the right thing is to do the mitzvah you're traveling to do and to do it correctly. Zeh davar Hashem lasos. What does Hashem want you to do in that minute? Kosh Baruch doesn't care about keeping your streak going. It's not about not breaking your streak. It's about What does He want you to do in that moment? In any given moment, what should we be doing? What is the The mitzvah that's in front of us, the mitzvah that we're doing, that's what He wants us to be doing in that moment and not at, and not at other times. That's what He wants. That is the moment.
We're off next week because there's no Parsha next Shabbos. It's Chol uh, Shabbos Chol We'll resume. We won't, we won't make it for Shmini because it'll be Yantif on Tuesday. Yantif ends Thursday night. So we meet again the week after, but we'll have a write-up of Mirza Hashem of last year's Parsha perspective on Shmini. Join us tomorrow night for Behind the Bima with Daryl Strawberry. Very interesting. If you're a Met fan, he won three championships with the Yankees, we'll just point out, only one with the Mets, but he's known more with the Mets. He now loves the Jewish people and Israel and a uh, fascinating individual. Tomorrow morning, live with Amuna, 10 minutes of meeting. This Shabbos, Shabbos, Agadot, Russia. If you can walk, if you're local, we've got a great Russia we're working on. On Maror, why are we introducing bitterness to the Seder? Why would we want bitterness and pain invoked at the Seder? What is the role of pain in life? We'll talk about that this Shabbos. Until then, have a chakosher v'sameach. Stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.